This is Happiness Solved with America's Happiness Coach, Sandy Scarlatta. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. I am so happy you're here. Happiness Solved is dedicated to giving you content that is empowering, motivational, inspirational, and of course, a dose of happiness. It is my way to give back to the world and share other people's stories and wisdom. This thing called life can be challenging, and the stories that are shared demonstrate that no matter what you have gone through, you can choose happiness. Since in the United States, Mother's Day is in May, I want to dedicate this episode to all of the amazing moms out there. I recently wrote an article sharing my three steps to alleviate mom guilt for a local magazine, and I thought I would share some of it with you. So mom guilt is a common theme that all mothers share. It doesn't matter what choices we make regarding our children, we still get that pesky feeling that we could be doing more for our kids. I read an article from Psychology Today that said, mom guilt can be a good thing if it serves as a gentle reminder that our actions toward our children matter. But if guilt is your primary emotion, it can negatively impact your parenting. It is also important to remember that kids will test their their mom and it's normal, and to recognize that all children will have challenges no matter what kind of mom they have. So here are my three steps that I use whenever I start to feel this mom guilt, which, by the way, I didn't even realize it was a thing until I started researching this article. But I also use these steps to help me anytime a negative emotion surfaces because we're human and they're going to keep coming up. So first is feel the feelings. What you are feeling is real, and it's absolutely normal. As humans, it is in our DNA to protect ourselves. It's the fight or flight response that we are all wired with. So give yourself a break and feel the emotion. It's okay to feel this way, and you are perfectly human to be experiencing this. Second, ask yourself, is this true? Am I a bad mother? So unless you're, you know, leaving your small children unattended at 10 p.m. to go bar hopping, you're not a you're not a bad mom, okay? All you're doing is making up a story that is not true. When I say making up a story, what I'm referring to is that voice in your head that wants to shame you, make you wrong, make you feel guilty, and so on. Third, forgive yourself. Forgive yourself for the guilt that you are feeling or any other negative emotion that may be surfacing. I recently was reintroduced to an ancient Hawaiian healing practice, and I found it to be such a very powerful way to forgive yourself. So to forgive yourself, say to yourself, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. So if you would like to learn more about this topic and how to work with me personally, please visit sandyscarlotta.com to schedule a free call and also to get access to a free digital copy of my book, Happiness Solved. I also invite you to join my growing community by texting me at area code 703-420-3472 to receive daily inspirational messages. Again, that number is 703-420-3472. Thank you so much for listening today, and I hope you enjoy it. Today's guest is Gregory Deal, 
Gregory writes books and leads lectures to assist others in undoing faulty narratives about who they are and how life works so that they may begin to make more meaningful choices and resolve their deepest burdens. His new book, The Heroic and Exceptional Minority, has a timeless premise. The only way to understand oneself, realize our potential, and change the world for the better is to embrace who and what they really are. This is a great interview, and I hope you enjoy it. Hi, Gregory. How are you doing today? So great to see you. Great. I can see your It's actually cat. evening for me, though. Yeah. Now, yeah. where are you located? <laughs> uh, I'm in Armenia, which is about halfway around the world from you, 12 hours ahead of Pacific time. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Uh, below Georgia east of turkey west of azerbaijan north of iran okay so kind of right at the crux of europe and asia i wish i would have and known yes, that that is my that You're... is my cat her yeah. name is tatik which means grandma grandmother in armenian she's Aww. quite old awesome <laughs> if i had known that i have a special calendar link for overseas guests <laughs> so i apologize oh no I, I i work nights anyway so this is the perfect time for me to be oh, podcasting okay. Okay, perfect. Because I feel I always feel bad, and when I see a guest schedule an interview with me, and I realize that they're overseas, I'm like, I email them back and say, "Hey, but I I missed that with you." So, all right, well then, perfect. We're good. So, what, you're obviously, I mean, sound like you're American. So, why why are you over there? Uh, I am American. <laughs> I'm from California. I spent a long time traveling. Basically, since I turned 18, I've been to about 50 countries at this point. And a few years ago, I decided it was time for me to stay in one place for a while, which was, was you know, incidentally, right before COVID happened, which was oh. the perfect time to stop traveling. <laughs> and um, a couple of years before that, I had gotten Armenian citizenship by descent because my grandmother, my Tatik, was uh, Armenian, which makes me okay. one quarter. And they have a citizenship by descent program here. Uh, I wasn't planning to move here at the time that I got the citizenship, but I just kept thinking it's it's one of the few places I kept returning to as I traveled around the world and one of the few places I felt comfortable even picturing staying a few years or longer. So I bought an old house in a village here that I've been restoring. It looks nice and modern now, but when I bought it, it was a complete rundown piece of crap. You know, So it's been a journey to... to improve the house and, and build a foundation for myself in this country and it's it's been fun wow now do you speak the language enough, enough. <laughs> i speak the language enough i actually i spend a lot of my time teaching english here mostly for free just in town at the community center just because the the english education is so bad here there are hardly any native speakers or teachers and the school systems do a horrible job. And I recognize it's, it's you know, one of the most valuable things that young Armenians can learn so that they can operate on an international level with the world. They can travel, they can date, they can get jobs wherever they want, but there are so few good influences for them to learn from that it's just one of the ways I've found to interact with the community, you know, just spread English education because I can and no one else will if I don't. Wow. That's pretty cool of you. So I know you have a new book that came out, and we're going to talk to, about that in a minute. But I'd like to hear more about you, like your story. You already said you've done a lot of travel, which is great, which is great. And you gave us the 
the reasons why you're you where you are. But what do you do full time? You know, and, and how did you know, how did you get to this point where you are now? Well, I wouldn't really say I have a full time, and that's sort of the point of this strange lifestyle I've built for myself <laughs> so far. It's it's like semi-retirement in a way, which isn't to say I don't work, because I'm actually quite busy. Uh, it's just that I'm not busy in a way that someone else has dictated for me. Uh, I, most of my time, I would say I spend writing and editing my own books. Sometimes people hire me to help them prepare and publish their books, too, when I'm not doing things like teaching locally. Uh, but that's what takes up the bulk of my productive hours is is finding more interesting and meaningful and important things to communicate. Books are just the best medium I've so far found to do that. I'd like to do it in other mediums. I haven't quite figured out things like YouTube yet, but I'm sure that's somewhere in my future. Um, but <laughs> I don't know. I, I just feel like I've always been the kind of person who needs to be in control of as many aspects of his life as possible. And this is the best way I've found to do that so far. Because I, I had to get away from large, dense populations. Because the, the more you're around other people, the more influence they have over you. And the more sometimes direct and even coercive control over you. If not just the latent effects of being around people and adjusting to their culture and their ways of being. So that's that's just what I'm doing right now. Maybe I'll do it for a long time. Maybe I'll stop doing it sometime in the near future if something better comes along. Wow, that that's that's pretty adventurous and courageous of you, to say the least. To to you could say yeah. in a way that it's heroic, which is in line with the theme of my book. What it, what it means to be a heroic person, one who becomes the embodiment of their values. I love it. So yeah, that's perfect segue into your book, The Heroic and Exceptional Minority. So where did that title come from? Is the exceptional minority because you're a minority in another country? Uh, no, that's of course okay. one use of the word minority, like a racial <laughs> minority or, or national minority. Um, the The title really came from what the the intersection of two important concepts that really define the entire message of the book. When a person is heroic, which I, I just kind of casually defined as somebody who seeks to become an embodiment of their values. And I do put the caveat that those values have to adhere to an objective sense of morality, or you could very easily become a villainous person. Because a villainous person, uh, you know, whether like a fantastical Darth Vader or Voldemort type figure, or, or just a really bad person from real life, you know, take your pick, Hitler or Stalin or whoever, uh, those people also seek to become embodiments of their values. They just don't have an objective sense of ethics about how they do that. Hitler was a really driven guy. He couldn't have done all the horrible things he did if he wasn't, right? He, right. he knew what he wanted and he worked damn hard to try to achieve that. But he wasn't a heroic person because he did not do it ethically in an objective sense and, and with rules that apply to everyone. He made up his own rules as he went along because that was more important to him than being an ethical person, right? So that, there's that important caveat that comes. It's not just, hey, do whatever you want because it's what you want to do. Like, no, that's a very dangerous way to think. Yes. And then the exceptional part, um, you know, anyone can seek to be a heroic person. If you if you take that to mean that you you seek to become the embodiment of your values, whatever your values are. The exceptional part is somebody who is uh, difficult or impossible to categorize along with the norms that define their 
culture or even humanity as a whole, which is where things get really interesting because exceptional people usually end up being uh, extremely intelligent, extremely gifted in some way, just having a really unique perspective and way of seeing things that makes it extremely difficult for them to operate the, the way the people around them tend to, which means that by default, by definition, they have to forge their own path because what everyone else is doing will not work for them for whatever reason. And so I didn't want to limit it to just like, oh, if you're a high IQ person or if you're a really artistic person or whatever, but whatever it is, your nature makes it impossible for you to function the way that other people do, which means you have to go out and find some way to live that no one else is going to provide for you because culture and society don't cater to the exceptions they cater the majority to the norms not the minority right unfortunately but there's nothing they can do right you have to figure that out for yourself because you are an exception you are part of the exceptional minority exception literally just meaning an exception to the rule not Got part it. of the norm interesting <laughs> so what's behind this book like what what was the the, the thing that, that you said to yourself i have to write this book and why well, this was some of the books I've written. This was my fifth book, and I've almost I'm almost done with my sixth now, actually, which is called Everyone is an Entrepreneur. That, that'll be out probably within a month. Um, but this one, it, it wasn't just like a flash inspiration. Oh, I got to write this book. This was a very slow burn and build up. I spent about three years slowly writing and editing and rewriting this book. And it's not even a very long book. It's only about 200 pages or 50,000 words if you want to see the cover. I really like what my designer did with that. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, I've written longer books. I wrote another book that was about twice as long, 400 pages, while I was writing this book. Like, it just, it took so long to really craft exactly what was going to be in this book and every sentence that was necessary or not necessary and every paragraph and and why does this chapter chapter have to come after this chapter? and. You know, it just there was so much micromanagement involved in this book because of, of the nature of what the book is and, and the emotional tones I wanted to to carry with it and, and the specific type of person I wanted to speak to with this book. I didn't want it to be just a, a conversational for the masses, generic self-help philosophy, spirituality, how to live a better life type of book. You know, I wanted right. it to be a very specific type of message for a very specific type of person. The kind of message I probably needed when I was 20 or even younger, even as a teenager. And that's really that and two kinds of people I think the book is really meant for. That that young person who's at, we could say, the beginning of their heroic journey uh, to use uh, like Joseph Campbell's hero's journey you know, there's a moment where they have to make a decision to cross the threshold and enter the the special world where they're no longer in their, their ordinary world, where they know how things work. They've, they've embarked on some dangerous quest to get something of great value and they don't know what's going to happen next, right? That's like the archetypal hero's journey. So the book is kind of for the person who's either about to take that step or already has taken it and they don't know what the heck is going on now. Or it's for people who are in a position to kind of mentor and guide such people. So usually from the previous generation, the Obi-Wan Kenobi or Gandalf or Dumbledore type figure, you know, who, who tells the young protagonist, here's the kind of journey you're on, Harry. You, you got to stop Voldemort from carrying back. Or Luke, 
use the force, become a great Jedi like your father, you know, these, and I talk about that in the book, that we have, there's a reason we have these recurring patterns in our stories, because they appeal to something very deep and fundamental too. In our psyche, when when we seek a sense of importance and meaning, we want to go do something that no one's ever done before. There's a reason we fall into these patterns. So the book is kind of built around that. Nice. So what would you tell, so, so let's take both sides of that. For somebody who is about to, you know, in their, in their early 20s or whatever, about to embark on a journey, what would you say to that person? What is that, what do you say in the book to give them guidance? Yeah, well, you know, obviously I can think of what I would have wanted to hear, but what is appropriate for me is not necessarily appropriate for everyone else because no no two people's journeys are the same which is why i can't write a book that's just giving people specific advice and to do this with your life and then get this kind of job and marry this kind of person because that that just won't work for everyone all i could do was describe general categories of like emotional conflicts that are likely to happen but even then i can't tell you like in what proportion they will happen to you. I will tell you like, here's how anger might affect your life, but I can't tell you you're a really angry person and that's something that's gonna occupy a lot of your life. I can just say this is a category of things that you will experience in some form. And here's another one, here's here's one about fear, here's one about arrogance and having a sense of of self-inflation, and here's one about being too humble and not believing in yourself enough, you know? But I can't tell you which kind of person you are, where you need to figure out which ones are most relevant to you, which ones you're likely to struggle with, which ones you are struggling with, and then, you know, what makes sense in your circumstances, what to do about them. I can only talk about them in that principled, general kind of way. So that's really what the book is. It's 36 short chapters, each one covering what I considered a a principled and general category of, of problem or accomplishment that the heroic and exceptional person needs to figure out how to deal with. Okay, I got it now, and I and I like that because it sounds like it, it. It sounds like you not necessarily have to read it from start to finish, but like, oh, okay, here's here's a section that applies to me today. Mm-hmm. Next week, it may be this, yeah. right? That kind of yes. thing. Yes, and it, I it's, love that. I, it's funny. I, I have had uh, a couple people at least email me saying they read it all in one sitting, like they just couldn't put it down. But it's really not meant to be read like that. It's like I, I want you to take a few days in between each chapter and think like, right. oh, wow, you know, was that was that really true for me? How does that apply in my life? Do I need to read that again? And there's definitely a kind of a logical progression to the chapters, like where it will, the you know, the later chapters will make more sense in the context of the earlier chapters. But yeah, absolutely, you could skip around to, you know, I really having some issues with, with fear right Right. now, like, so let me read that chapter, because that's, that's what's on my mind right now. So it really could be like a reference book for people that they can always refer back to. I think so. Yeah, and because the chapters are quite short, you you could read one in, in five to 10 minutes, you know, and then just put the book down for several days if you wanted to. That's great. That's great. So, so you're on your sixth book now. So, what are some of the other books that you've released that you can talk about? Um, so, the the one I wrote while I was writing this one is actually a book about how to write and publish books. It's quite oh, nice. meta in that sense. It's called The Influential Author: How and Why to Write, Publish, and Sell Nonfiction Books That Matter. And uh, there are a thousand self-publishing guides on Amazon, and you know, I've read 
a good deal of them and, and they're 90% redundant, right? It's just the same information recycled, regurgitated over and over again. Here's how to write a book. Here's how to publish it. And I got into writing and self-publishing both my books and other people's books just through trial and error. Uh, a woman who was supposed to do this for me ripped me off and I had to figure out how to do it all myself. And that's how I realized I have a really deep passion for this kind of long form communication. Like I, I knew I was passionate about things like education and communication in general, but I never even realized actually books are a really natural fit for someone like me. And so I wanted to write what I learned in the unique way I learned it and to, to really get into the, the philosophical aspects and the practical aspects and the entrepreneurial aspects of why can ordinary people now write important, meaningful books and publish them successfully and make a profit at them and actually make this a full-time living if they want to, as opposed to just, here's how to write the next 10-step uh, guide to doing something better. You know, write it in, in a week and publish it and charge 99 cents for it and build your brand. There, there are so many of those guides out there. And that's if that's the kind of book you want to write, great. It should be pretty easy for you to do. But I wanted to write a book that addressed other people who, who really wanted to, to adopt this as, as a profession, as a primary medium to share what they consider to be their valuable message, their valuable ideas, something that isn't already on shelves as a book. Nice. I love that. So I want to go back to you and your journey, because I was just sitting here thinking, mm -hmm. what questions did you ask yourself when you realized that you were this heroic and exceptional minority? Like, was there a dialogue well, that, that uh, helped you to figure that out? I wasn't always using those terms. I kind of arrived at those right. terms as I was writing the book. Like, I need a concise way to describe what I'm talking about. I was certainly always attracted to hero type stories, whether they be, uh, you know, Superman movies or or old archetypal fables and stories. I I always knew that the way I thought about my own life or my perception of my future or my destiny were the things I kind of struggled with philosophically, existentially, were way different than anyone else my age and even anyone else older, hardly with any exception. I did have a few good mentor figures come into my life at important times, but mostly I felt like I was alone and alienated from the world because it just seemed like the things I cared about and the way I perceived human behavior and, and the structure of society was so different than what everyone else did. And that's a huge part of why I traveled so much because I was kind of curious to see how do different cultures and civilizations interpret their own existence and, and the best way to live? And is there a a group of people out there that thinks like I do. Nope, apparently not. So I, I kind of have to build that for myself, that sense of community, that sense of, of a meaningful place to exist in the world. And all of these are very heroic concepts. Like that's that's really the, the point of like the hero's journey is that the hero has to go in and conquer reality in a sense to shape reality in a way that he can find meaningful and tolerable and, and be contented because he wasn't content previously. There was something wrong with his ordinary existence and that's what caused him to go out on this great big journey that he goes on. And so I, I guess most of my struggles just came from feeling like there weren't other people thinking this way. And of course there are, they're just a minority, right? And they're 
kind of spread out. There's not like one town which is full of people like this, right? They're, they're just scattered all around the world. And so that's part of why I wanted to write a book that, you know, hopefully the title and the cover and the description make it very obvious to these kinds of people that when they hear about a book like this, they say, oh, that's a book for me. Like that, I've been waiting for someone to talk to me about these things in this way. I thought I was the only one who thought this way, but I guess I'm not. Was there ever a time in your life where you struggled with that? Always, perpetually. And, I, I, but it'd like, be harder it, for me to think of a time I didn't struggle with it. <laughs> but I guess what I mean is, how did it affect your ability to feel peace and happiness? I have felt way depressed, suicidal, uh, just mm -hmm. not suicidal in the sense like, oh, my life is so bad, I want to die. Uh, because I live a pretty comfortable life, and and I'm well aware of that. You could call me privileged. You could call, you could say that my life has been easy, with the exception of the ways that I've intentionally made it more challenging for myself. But I, I've never been forced into desperate situations. You know, I've been very fortunate in that sense. But I've always had an existential longing, a a hole that has been impossible to fill, which is what I've always been trying to fill by making my time here on Earth meaningful in the best way that I can figure out how. And so that, you know, I, I feel really bad for people who feel something like that, but they don't figure out a healthy and proactive outlet for it or a thing to do about it. Because I think the only other options besides, you know, like becoming a, a proactive and virtuous, heroic type person who seeks to become the embodiment of their values is either you're going to kill yourself or you're going to become an embittered villainous type of person. Like you're going to feel like the world has done you wrong in some way. And so you're not going to seek to improve it and make it better and, and connect with people. You're going to seek some kind of petty vengeance upon it in whatever way seems appropriate to you. Even if you don't become a Hitler, you know, very few people can become the next Hitler, but you can become a mini Hitler. You can become somebody who is an asshole to people. You can become somebody who seeks to dominate and control other people or just makes life bad for the people or, or manipulates or exploits them in some way because that makes you feel like you're important now, you're in control, your life has some sense of meaning because you can do that. And you thank God I didn't become that kind of person, but there's a very real possibility that I could have if things had gone different for me. Sure, sure. So what do you do if, if there's a listener out there that is having struggles similar to what you've experienced, what do you do to kind of ground yourself and, and feel better? I focus on what I know is most important to me, which is something I figured out because I've had a really wide breadth of experience, even in, in the short time. I'm only 33, so you know there's a lot more experience I'm going to have in my life. But because I, I intentionally exposed myself to a lot of variety in a very short amount of time, pre predominantly through travel, uh, it became very aware of what remained universally consistent about me. You know, because you 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 learn all kinds of things about what emotions you're capable of feeling, what kinds of things you find fun or awful, or interesting or whatever. There's lots of changes. Life is constantly changing. There's so much variety out there. But it, at the core of that, there's a you that's experiencing this and that's reacting in a certain way. And you start to piece together. Okay, so this thing seems 
pretty much always to be at the forefront of my attention. This thing I always notice. This thing always righteously pisses me off or whatever it is. Anything can get a strong reaction out of you, either positive or negative, is a pretty good indicator that this is kind of important to me. This might be fundamental to my identity and my experience of life. And so all the other fleeting stuff that you might do to distract yourself, not that there's something wrong with distraction in general, but if you're, if you're playing video games or eating ice cream or doing drugs or having sex as a distraction away from something fundamental that's bothering you, that's never going to be a long-term or sustainable solution. You have to find those core things that are actually most important to you and start to build your life around those things to become an embodiment of your values, to go back to my definition of heroism, because anything else is not going to work. And you can, I encourage you to try because you have to figure that out through your own personal experimentation. Don't say, well, this guy Gregory said to do this. No, I'm saying, figure, get to the point where you agree with what I'm saying through your own personal experimentation. I'm just telling you, this is, this is what you're going to figure out if you do end up experimenting like I did, like so many other people do, and then minimize the amount of time you have to waste and suffering you have to go through to get to that point where you make the conscious choice. Okay, I know who I am now. I know what's most important to me. So I might as well now start consciously choosing to live my life in such a way that I am embodying those things because anything else is not enough for me. Mm, I love that. I love that. That was really, really, really valuable. Thank you. <laughs> I hope so. Wow. No, that was really great. So is there anything else that you'd like to share with the audience today? Uh, I mean, just, you know, if, if the book sounds appealing to you, you'll probably get the intended message from it. You know, it's a very niche, highly targeted kind of message. If, if you're resonating and responding to anything that you're hearing right now, <laughs> then then yeah you're probably the right kind of person that this was intended for and if you're just kind of confused like what the heck is this guy talking about he sounds really full of himself or delusional or whatever then you're probably not the right kind of person and that's okay because there are a million other books out there or, or people to listen to and that's fine i'm not trying to convince anyone of anything either that they should read my book because it's the greatest book ever or that they should live their life in a certain way or care about certain things I'm saying if you are this kind of person who naturally reaches this conclusion and naturally does respond to what I'm saying right now or the things we're talking about, then I encourage you to check out the book and, um, you know, do whatever is necessary to start living a life you find sustainably meaningful. Mm, isn't that, that what we all want at the end of the day? I Ultimately, I think so, yeah. And if you can even realize that that's what you want, you're way ahead of most people probably. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I don't know, Gregory. Have you ever written a novel? I have plans for a novel. Maybe a few. Like, I, I have ideas. You seem like a novelist. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I've always been the kind of guy, even when I was a kid, I'd watch movies and I could talk about them for hours, like explaining why did this character make this kind of choice or why did yeah. things happen in this order with this structure? I've just always had a very good sense for the structure of stories and, and characterization. And I, and I definitely have ideas. I've written some outlines, some little bits and pieces here and there. It's not, the process isn't as straightforward to me as nonfiction is. I'm very good at just explaining how things work and, and right. educating people about things. But I know fiction is definitely in my future. It's a oh, natural part of my personality. I hope so, because I think it would be really great. <laughs> just with your knowledge of, of 
people in existence. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Like, and all your travels, too. Yeah, well, a great story is one where every choice that a character makes means something, yep. right? It doesn't just happen randomly. Like, they decided to drink a cup of coffee, because why not? That's something people do, right? You know, but, but <laughs> there's a reason why, and it connects to the central theme of the story. This character has to be learning and growing in some way, and they have to by the end of the story, be able to make choices that they couldn't make at the beginning of the story because of of everything that's happened to them. That's a great story, right? And so I have a brain that is kind of naturally attuned to structure in that way. I just haven't gotten around to writing the story, whatever it will end up being. (laughs) There's my little nudge to you. (laughs) Sure, okay, now I'll get onto that. Awesome. Well, Gregory, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for your contributions to the world and to your community in Armenia. I think that's really incredible. And you probably are... Thanks for having me. You're probably a different type of hero to a lot of people there. (laughs) I, I hope so, to the right ones. All right. Thank you again. Take care. by far one of the most interesting guests I have spoken with, and I certainly hope he gets that novel out. I think it's going to be really good. You can learn more about Kyle and his books on his website, which is gregorydeal.net. So thank you so much for listening today. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Coach Sandy Scarlatta. And as always, I hope that you and your family are safe and healthy, and that your lives are filled with peace, joy, and happiness. Take care, everyone.